1: The late 1890s in Lacrosse were hard times. The lumbering industry that fueled Lacrosse's economy was coming to an abrupt end as the pineries of Wisconsin were devastated. Among the many laborers who cut down the trees in winter, rode the log rafts down the river in spring, and worked in the loud, dusty sawmills in the summer were Norwegian immigrants. The Nora House was a boarding house at the northwest corner of Third and King that served mainly Norwegian immigrants and first-generation Norwegian-American laborers. Along with rooms for rent, the Nora had a saloon, restaurant, and its own separate stables. Over the years, the rooming house saw its fair share of bar brawls, burglaries, and other mishaps. Martin Dock, a Norwegian immigrant and house painter of about 34 years of age, was a boarder at the Nora house for four years. On a fall day in 1898, Dock left early for a painting job, as was his custom, and was in good spirits. He returned to the Nora house to eat his noon dinner, and witnesses say he seemed restless and talked of a girl they knew nothing about. He retired to his room, and at about 4 p.m., the housekeeping women heard cries coming from Doc's third-floor room. They opened the door and began shrieking when they discovered that Doc had slashed his throat with his own razor and was bleeding to death right before their eyes. Doctors Christensen and Gunderson were called at once, as were the police, but death came quickly since both major arteries had been severed. One newspaper said he had turned to drowning his sorrows in drink. Another paper, the Daily Press, ran an exclusive story based on an interview with Doc's brother-in-law, Oli Moe.
0: Oh, I tell you, Inga, your brother, Martin, he had it bad for that girl. Now, what uh,
1: what was her name again? Mary. Her name was Mary. And she was from West Salem. Oh, remember, Oli, when Martin lived with us for a while and how he talked of her? Oh, she wouldn't give him the time of day yet he never forgot her. Oh, yeah, 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 Mary, that's right, yeah.
0: I remember that now. You know, I think your brother may have tried to kill himself once uh, when he lived with us. No. Oh, I remember I came home earlier and than usual, and he acted all nervous, and uh, he was upset, and he was out in the barn with a razor, and I asked him about it, and he said, oh, he was just looking for a sharpening strap.
1: Yeah, you know, I let it go. What, what could I do? Oh, Oli... What would my mother say? She's back in Norway right now, thinking her son is leading a better life in America. She would be so sad and disappointed. And to think he wasted so much of his money on liquor. Doc was buried in Campbell Cemetery on the cross's north side without much ado and no headstone until 1988, when the local Sons of Norway, Wergeland Lodge, 28, dedicated a cemetery stone to Doc and the other early Norwegian immigrants who left their homes and families in Norway and sailed to America. The Gray Marble Stone, which bears his name, is a sad reminder of the immigrants who did not find the riches or meaningful life they dreamt of in America. The Nora House became known as the Nora Hotel, and in 1947 became the Cooley Region Bar and Café. Sometime before 1956, when the building was torn down, the current building was built as an auto repair shop, now known as Trim Design. They stood together for a few years with the current building wrapped around what was the Nora House. And now I'd like to welcome in Anita Taylor Doring, Senior Archivist and the Archives Department Manager at the La Crosse Public Library, who did some of the initial research for this story.
0: One of the original dark La Crosse walking tour stories, this tragic event came to light from our clipping file. The La Crosse Public Library staff has been clipping the local La Crosse Tribune newspaper since 1976. This story of Martin O'Doc came to light for me from a 1988 article featuring a photo of Bernice and Edwin Berg donning traditional Norwegian garb, acting as representatives from the local Sons of Norway group while decorating a gray marble headstone with both Norwegian and American flags. So, who was this Martin Doc, and why did a group of people who were not even related to Doc bother to place a stone in the cemetery? Those were some of my initial questions after learning about Doc, and the story script answers those questions. After some more digging in the local newspapers at the time of Doc's untimely death, having seen firsthand the large swaths of open grassy areas in Campbell Cemetery, I wondered how did the Sons of Norway group even know where Doc is buried? In the mid-1990s, the archives received the records, slim as they are of Campbell Cemetery from the city's Park Department caretakers of the cemetery since 1932, when town officials turned over operation of the cemetery to the city. The cemetery experienced heavy use from its beginning in 1863 until about the late 1940s or early 1950s. After that, burials were few and far between. There are at least two plots of the cemetery, the cemetery land was purchased in 1860 by the supervisors of the town of Campbell, and a plat was completed in 1863. In the Cemetery Association records, the cemetery is described as being designated with circles and arcs by Elder Brown. Whether or not this plat was actually used is unknown. There's a second plat, which does not include circles nor arcs, that has a date of 1931 penciled in the corner. It is possible that this plat was made after an addition to was purchased for the cemetery in 1875, or perhaps it was done shortly before ownership of the cemetery changed over to city hands. However, it's unknown which plat was used in selling plots, or which plat, if either, was even used in burial location. Complicating things even more is the fact that there are no burial records for the cemetery. There are records of lot purchases dating back to the 1870s, and there are burial permits, that date from 1897 to 1979, but neither of these records tell who is buried where in the cemetery. It is believed that some cemetery records were destroyed in a fire that consumed the farm home of town of Campbell Treasurer Carl Haug in 1929. Fires, vandalism, and natural erosion have caused major problems in the cemetery. Grass fires swept through the cemetery and destroyed wooden markers. The John Flynn Post, Grand Army of the Republic, or G.A.R. for short, was a Civil War veterans group located on La Crosse's north side, and they made an effort in the late 1890s to clean up the veterans' graves and erect regulation headstones when there were none. Around the same time, a large cannon or mortar was placed and dedicated in the cemetery by the Post and the Women's Relief Corps in 1898. This cannon was restored and the marble base replaced with granite by the La Crosse Company B, Second Wisconsin Civil War reenactors, at a cost of $1,825 in 2007. A newspaper article from 1927 lamented the poor shape the Campbell Cemetery was in again. This was the beginning of the push for the city to take over control of the burial ground. In the 1930s, Rolf Renning, chairman of the grave registration for the General Memorial Day Association, and his assistant, Russell Steiger, made a record of all known veterans buried in Campbell Cemetery. At that time, they applied to the federal government for replacement stones for worn markers and headstones for veterans without them. In their census, the pair counted 27 veteran burials, including two were of 1812 veterans, those being Benjamin Sly, who served with the New York Militia and died in 1885, and Matthias N. Collins, also from New York, who served with the 2nd Infantry Regiment and died in 1876. Thanks for listening.